Hi, welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer and I'll be your host. As I record this intro, we're coming to the end of 2020. Yay, so excited. If you're listening to this episode and it's 2021, I'm sure there's not a lot you missed from last year. Today's guest is Alexis Dean. She is the CEO and founder of Dovetail Community. I met Alexis earlier in 2020 when we both attended a mastermind trip to Cabo, Mexico with Baby Bathwater. Since then, I've been following Alexis on social, and she caught my eye because she talked recently about all the details of how she pivoted in 2020 and the success of some of her female entrepreneurs that are part of her community. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the topic of female entrepreneurship, how to build a community even during a pandemic when it's not a choice to have in-person events. And we're also going to be talking about building community and storytelling. So with that, welcome Alexis and be sure to follow her on social. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed talking to her and hearing all of her success stories. Namaste. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. I am happy to introduce to you Alexis Dean. Hey, Alexis, how are you? Hey, Lisa, I'm great. Great. Good. We met in Mexico this year at a Baby Bathwater Mastermind. Um, and speaking of masterminds, what I invited you to talk about today is your Dovetail Community Mastermind that you started. You can tell us the story how, but like, I'm so impressed on how it's really boosting female entrepreneurship. And how did you start the community? And tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, I mean, I just built what I needed, which I think is such a fun way to start a business. Um, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're problem solvers, and we look around at, at what's bothering us in our own world, oftentimes, and and solve for that. And so, I had grown another company. Um, you know, I was three or four years into growing another business. And I looked around and I didn't know any other woman who had bigger teams or who were growing bigger businesses. Like I had women in my, my life who had started, you know, side projects or kind of weekend jobs or, you know, they were selling skincare or whatever. Um, but I really just wanted to spend time and learn from and get to know women who were growing scalable businesses. And so I started with a weekend and at the end of that weekend, uh, you know, the woman turned to me and said, what are we doing next? And I said, I, I'm going back to work. I don't know about you all. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, and we had a woman from New York who was like, come down to New York. And then another one of our women owns a vineyard and she was like, come out to the vineyard. So we ended up doing a couple of trips and it has evolved since then. And so that was three years ago uh, that I started the Dovetail community and started doing our summits. Um, and then this year, you know, we couldn't do our live in-person stuff. And so they were wondering what we were going to do about it. And I was wondering what we were going to do about it. And so we launched a mastermind and it's been a really phenomenal year because so many of our ladies have actually been growing through this COVID experience. They've grown their businesses and, and those that haven't grown have just kind of held steady and with the support of their peers in the mastermind program, it's been really phenomenal to watch. So, yeah. What really caught my eye was your, you did a, a post on LinkedIn, I think it was last week or the week before, just talking about how 2020 has been the, the year of the pivot. And you gave some very specific examples of, of some of the, the women in your mastermind and, and how they've succeeded. I think one of them um, has a, a, a CBD drink um, company and another one is um, a children's shoe company. So it's like, you know, all different industries. Can you talk about some of the success in, in your group and maybe some examples of how you did support each other and 
something that we can get inspiration from as, um, you know, just when it's kind of hard working from home and not being able to see people in person. Totally. And that's why we like, that's why I did this. You know, I, like most people, my other business was really hit as well. And I had a choice at the beginning of COVID. Was it, okay, I'm going to shut down the Daptail community and just kind of hold out until we can be in person together. Or are we going to keep going with it? Because so many of us, you know, just lost like in March, it just went to zero. Like a lot of folks, you know, people were scared. They didn't know what to do. And if you're listening to this, you probably might've gone through the same experience where it went to zero or, you know, employees were kind of freaking out and owners were freaking out and all of that. And, um, yeah, I think we needed each other and we needed that space to come and, and know that we weren't alone. And that's why I decided to keep going with it, even though I was also recovering my other business. Um, and that kind of helped to recover downhill as well. Um, so yeah, so a lot of our ladies, like that, that experience in March was really traumatic and then they turned around and figured it out, whether they did a full pivot or, a, you know, just a slight pivot, there was a bit of pivoting and, and a lot of it was just in how they approached um, the business that they were building. So, you know, it's pretty obvious when you have an in-person business that your pivot's going to be a bit more drastic, but some of the stories that I shared, um, on that post, you know, we have a lot more women than I shared about on that post, but, uh, a couple of those stories were, uh, Kellyanne, who has the CBD beverage business. She had just launched in California right when COVID hit. <laughs> um, and right when, yes, people were grocery shopping, but they weren't necessarily grocery shopping for much more than toilet paper and cleaning solvent, right? <laughs> they weren't like out there looking for the next best CBD beverage. <laughs> Although it turned out to be great because, you know, who doesn't want CBD when you're needing to calm down a little bit during a global pandemic. <laughs> so yeah. launch, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty dramatic time to launch a company, right? Um, and everything was impacted with all their processing and everything else. Um, but they held strong in it and she's now producing in Canada as well and about to launch up here. And I think, you know, their approach to the marketing and how they're spreading the word about CBD use, um, has been, you know, a huge part of why, uh, they're growing and why they continue to, to operate. Um, so it's been really cool. And a lot of hers has just been personal storytelling. So she's appearing on, podcasts and talking about, you know, the use of CBD and on people's social media interviews and stuff talking about CBD and also making it much more female friendly. Um, because I think historically people think about marijuana, um, in a different light, you know, and it maybe had a bit more of a, um, masculine approach to it or something. And now it's sort of making it a more mainstream thing for women to be enjoying CBD products and, uh, the beverages. So she's just one of, of many examples, but, um, you know, we had another one that was on that post, which I'm looking at right now, uh, Mitzi who owns a shoe business and they were retailing in shoe stores. And of course, shoe stores got closed, but kids still need shoes. <laughs> and so it was about how can we approach this with online sales? And then something really cool that she did is she looked around and she realized a lot of these retailers and moms and people needed support through this that they weren't necessarily getting in person anymore. And so she started a community online and brought in guests every week and started doing these community calls. And so her shoe business kind of became this place of great support for people that were experiencing the trauma of COVID. And it's just such a cool way to look at how we can do retail. So yeah, I could go on all day about some of these ladies, but yeah, it's been remarkable to see them. I love, um, I mean, the two buzzwords that, you know, you just shared with your stories of your 
the, the females involved with dovetail storytelling and building community. And I think that those two themes this year, and, the, and it's not even just COVID. I mean, I think that was, and those were very important pre-COVID, but storytelling from a brand standpoint and then building community. I mean, that's really, um, those were, those are two important factors that I think brands small and large are realizing the criticalness of survival with community building community and, and then just the brand storytelling. Yeah. I mean, it's essential. Like people connect to people and to story. And, um, you know, I've learned that through my own businesses as well. Like for a long time, I resisted putting my face on things, you know, neither like my corporate training business is not about me. Certainly I've had other facilitators leading sessions. Um, and then dovetail is about the community. It's not about me. I'm not a coach or, you know, a guru or anything like that. And I always resisted having that. But once I started to tell my own story and to give a face to the brand and, you know, I'm not on everything, but people know, um, that there is a person behind it all. I think it has really, really helped. And, you know, we're seeing that in all sorts of businesses from a shoe company to another one of our lady has a, you know, a soap business and then the cannabis beverage business. Like, yes, these products are not necessarily just about that woman behind it, but by sharing that story, you know, it's really connected people into it and, and brought forth community, which is wild to think, you know, a shoe company has a community behind it. And, um, the same thing with, with so many of our ladies businesses. So, yeah, definitely. And so when you said you, um, you know, dovetail pivoted in 2020, when March hit, what were some of the things that you, you did different that are definitely working that maybe others who are in maybe a similar type of, of business or thinking of, of starting some sort of a, a course or, a, you know, building a, a mastermind community, what has really worked this year that your members have gravitated with? Yeah. I mean, this is an interesting one because I get asked fairly often, like, how have you grown this and why does it still exist? You know, because people don't see us advertising and we literally just put out an Instagram last week for the first time, an Instagram ad last week for the first time ever, which, you know, we're on a social PR podcast, but my approach has been really personalized. Um, you know, I have one other team member from the business who's now working uh, in the, the program as well with me now. And we do a ton of one-to-one outreach. And, um, you know, I did that in a few different ways, like not just emails, but I send personalized videos and I send them through DM. So I will just reach out and, you know, if I get a referral to somebody and, and we've got a phone call set up, I send a video to them. And I just say like, hey, you know, I, I was just checking your business and I love what you're doing. And it's just really short and simple and sweet, but it works. Um, and it just makes people feel like there is some personal connection. Same thing with tip. Like it takes, you know, 10 seconds to send a voice note, but what other brand is sending a voice note? Like it's not very common for somebody to send, you know, something that shows that they've looked at who you are and they're excited by what you're doing or that they respect something you're doing or they're grateful for something you've done. Um, and that has gone a long, long way. So <laughs> we've really held up by that personal tie in that personal connection and the individual outreach. And it is time consuming sometimes because, you know, we have a couple hundred women that <laughs> we're reaching out to, but it really, really works. And it's, um, you know, I have a spreadsheet and we go through and make sure that we've had contact with people that are previous clients or, uh, you know, current members. Um, and I yeah, idea. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, if we have a, a CRM or whatever, which I, 
we could be using for that. But I literally find just like walking my way, like every day I have 20 names and I reach out to those people and I ask for, sometimes I ask for references if we've talked recently. Um, but even when I don't ask for references, I, or referrals, sorry, I, um, I reach out and then they think of me and I get referrals because they thought of me. So yeah, it's been a lot of one-to-one, you know, I outreach and then I think the other thing that sounds really way too obvious, but it is just caring a whole lot about what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're dealing with these, you know, 200 women or more than 200 women, and I know a lot about their businesses, I've heard a lot of their stories and, you know, reaching out to them when things were really tough. And then throughout the year, as you hear about things changing and funding changing and, and actually giving a damn about what they're going through. It's huge. And I think so many businesses, like it's just such an easy opportunity for us just to connect with our people and connect with our clients and, and do that one-to-one outreach and, and genuinely come from a place of like, I'm not just reaching out because I want to sell them on joining a program. I want them to come to Summit next year. I'm reaching out because I just want to know how they're doing as, as people and talk about their kids and, you know, <laughs> talk about whether they are able to escape the city this year in the summer or not, and, you know, what their holiday plans are and all that kind of stuff. It, it goes a long way. So. Yeah. I think the key word there is, is definitely showing that you care means mm-hmm. a lot and goes a long way. Um, so two things that you mentioned that I would love for you to share a little bit more. So you mentioned you're using an Excel sheet instead of a CRM, which I think is very ironic because we do something similar. We have HubSpot and then we have this Excel sheet, especially for um, the podcast um, and coordinating with guests. So I was just curious, what CRM system do you use and do you love it? Because everybody's always looking for what tips on whether they love it or hate it. Um, we tried to simplify, so we're just using the CRM built into active campaign. It's not Do you like it? No. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I love active campaign for so many other reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. use it for all of our outreach, you know, it's great for funnels, all that kind of stuff, but it's just not the CRM that's built into it. It's just not very strong. Um, it's hard to like make lists of, you know, different individuals within like that we've reached out to in different ways. And yeah, I just find it overcomplicates something that for me, at least on my end, the process that I have for like reaching out to these, you know, especially our women who've either been part of a recent summit or part of our camp that we ran last year or part of the mastermind, like I just simplify it for myself. On the back end, my assistant is definitely much more engaged in active campaign and she can pull up names and numbers and, and that sort of thing from it for me but I just find to make my life and days easier just use a little spreadsheet so yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> for every business and you know there might be some business owners listening to this thinking like you know that's very primary but I just yeah it works for me so and you mentioned that you did your first Instagram ad was it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so what what prompted you to to dip that toe in the water and go for the ad yeah, it's hilarious. Again, like I, both my businesses, my other company, we work with banks and fortune 100s. I've never done any advertising. It just grew through word of mouth and referrals and those personal relationships with people. Right. Um, and the same thing with dovetail. Like I just, you know, it, it's just grown through these relationships. And I thought like we were, we were changing up the branding a bit, um, for next year and with the program, uh, with the mastermind program for next year and really just making sure that all of our visual assets and everything else really fit 
it might. And I'll be honest, we kind of just did the Instagram as a test, like did the ad as a test to see if the new rebrand was working <laughs> to see if, you know, That's the great. yeah. And it, and it, and it worked, you know, I actually just got off before this, I just got off a call with a brand new woman who never would have heard of us before. She's based in Germany um, because she saw our Instagram ad and then she went and looked at our website and stuff and she was excited by it. And she, we do hour long phone calls with uh, our potential members and, and she was interested enough to commit an hour to having a chat and connecting and now she'll be joining us next year. So yeah, it was really, it was a, a test of the branding and then kind of like, well, let's see if it works, you know? And so now, now we'll probably be hiring on an ad agency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. And I and I love hearing the story of using whether it's Instagram or any type of social advertising as a test for, you know, whether it's um, you know, a new logo or, you know, photography photography looks and feels or a new website. Um, so I think that that that's that's like an awesome example. Yeah. As far as, you know, offerings, I think all brands have had to switch it up whether you're, you know, a small business, you know, retail, restaurant, brick and mortar, um, you know, my agency, you know, we, we had to change up our offerings just to accommodate and pivot. So what are some examples of maybe what Dovetail did for your offerings? Cause you couldn't have a live event. Um, and I have a lot of, a lot of friends, work friends that have event companies, um, in the, you know, the wedding industry, photographers, um, just any event, like even the conferences that I was speaking at for the past 15 years are, you know, all virtual. So yeah. how, how did you adjust your offerings and what advice or tips could you give um, for brands that are still figuring it out? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty wild year. Like our friends who run Baby Bathwater also experienced this. Yes. It, um, a lot of my friends in the event industry were just hit extremely hard. Um, obviously people had to pivot or, or close down or starting businesses or, you know, totally branch out. And I was in that spot in March with Dovetail. I had invested a pretty large amount of money in renting a private island for our annual summit, um, with our, you know, our women business owners. Um, and then we also had run a summer camp and then I'd also planned monthly dinners. So we were doing dinners in Toronto and New York for the year. And obviously with the borders closed, so I'm not going to New York anytime soon. Um, and I looked at, I looked at our woman, I talked to them, I reached out and said, you know, how can I support you through this? And people just said, we still need each other. Like we still need and want that time. And people were really gutted not to be able to go and have that. You know, people look forward to it for a long time to go and spend those four days together. Um, cause it's the, the one in-person touch point that some of our ladies have, and then they connect throughout the year through WhatsApp and chat groups and that kind of stuff. And then our platform that we use. Um, and so I just pivoted to, uh, a different type of program, something that I personally have not run before, but I knew would serve our ladies. And that was a uh, small group mastermind. So for the past eight, well, now nine months, I guess. Um, we've had, uh, seven small groups going and I, I didn't put it out to the public really. Um, but it was small groups of six or seven women, highly curated to be together because they're in a similar place in their business. So their businesses could serve one another in some way, not to sell to each other, but with support. Um, and then we brought in different experts every month. Um, and we had a facilitator for each of the small groups. And so it's been the same small group for all of them for all this time. And, uh, it really served them and carried them through and, and then also knowing other women in the community that they could connect with um, through those guest expert sessions and stuff as well has really helped them. So 
next year we're going to something very similar, but instead of it being the two sessions per month plus the guest uh, expert, because it's just a lot of time, you know, not especially our ladies like to have thriving businesses. Uh, they don't necessarily have all that time. And so now we have one small group, peer group session, and then one session with all of the members with a guest, but then we do breakouts and, you know, so you connect with other women across the community uh, within that group, within that time. The small group sessions that you've had this year, have those been, you've been able to do those in person or those have been virtual? Oh no, it's all been virtual. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Everything virtual because, you know, we have about 40% of our membership of our seven groups American. Um, and then the rest is mostly Canadian, a couple of Europeans and an Australian in the mix. And so there was no way we could meet in person. And, um, you know, this summer, a couple of our ladies in different cities hosted safe outdoor gatherings like dinners and mm-hmm. But there was nothing that I could do. And, you know, personally, as a business owner, like I just, I wouldn't feel right in the middle of the global pandemic encouraging folks to be together in person if I couldn't guarantee for their safety. So, yeah, yeah, it's all been on the internet, just right here in my little office. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, that's awesome. And um, I was thinking that it was mostly virtual or all virtual, Mm -hmm. but then I thought you have like a local following too in, in Canada that, I mean, depending on where you are in the US, so I'm in Florida you know, some things are a little bit more flexible than, you know, other states. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some other ways you have, um, like, for example, a Facebook private group or um, that you stay connected um, in between your virtual events? Yeah, especially, I mean, this year, most of our, our past summit members did join our custom camp ladies did join the small groups that we had going on most, but maybe yeah. Um, and then the rest, we have a Facebook group that's like kind of our open community group for everyone. And then our current members in the mastermind have a private group on a platform called Circle. I tested out Mighty Networks. Um, we tried just doing a small group Facebook group. It's really easy to lose stuff in Facebook. Like if you share recordings of things, you know, they just drop down and then they kind of disappear and people don't even know they exist. Um, it can be hard to like maintain a single ongoing conversation on a theme and find it on Facebook. And so I was looking for a platform where we could have all the small groups have their own little sections so they could access their own videos. Cause not everybody in a small group, we don't want to share those videos with everybody. Um, because small groups get really vulnerable and honest and open, you know, people go through all sorts of stuff with their business that perhaps they don't want to share with 150 other people. Um, and so we wanted a platform. And so that was where kind of circle came in. It's really easy. And um, they can jump into their small group on there and see all their videos and, and resources that they share with each other and, and like share with them. And then they can go into the forums and see uh, other conversations that are happening. And then they can also look at our member uh, database and kind of see who the other members are and new members and all that kind of stuff. And they can find out more info about them and reach out to them there. Um, and most of our members within the membership will share openly their email and their phone number and stuff so people can connect with one another if they see each other at an online gathering or in-person gathering and they want to reach out. So. Yeah, I really like that idea. So your um, public group is on a Facebook group mm-hmm. that, and then your member group is, did you say full circle is the platform? It's called the circle, I think. I think it's actually just like circle.com check. Um, I don't know what that means. Ours is under a dovetail. We can, we can put it in the notes, but you like that better because it, you have more control and there's more privacy. Yeah, and it was the closest I could find to like building out a whole platform. I didn't want to have a platform built until I knew that our ladies would use something because it is really hard to get people off of Facebook groups or other things that they're more familiar with. Yeah. Um, you know, our ladies have small group WhatsApp groups for their peer circle for their small group. We kept those because 
it is like most people have WhatsApp on their phone and that's just the easiest thing for them to chat day to day. Um, but everything else, we tried to move it onto this platform. And yeah, it's uh, super user-friendly. It's so easy to find all the resources, the forms are really simple. You can search for everything. Um, you know, the member profiles are really nice and easy to find folks. And, you know, it's just uh, a really, the closest to Facebook, but way more organized that we could get. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great to know. Yeah. And what other types of, um, do you do email newsletters or any other type of communication to your community? Mm-hmm. So for our members, um, those that are you know, in the mastermind, they get a weekly email, um, typically just reminding them what's up that week, um, what's on. And then if people have any asks or shares or um, not typically marketing for one another, but just, you know, so-and-so is working on this and, and they're wondering if anybody else uh, has any input on it, then, then we'll mention it there and then link back to Circle so people can jump on Circle and like respond to them. Kind of like what you see with Baby Bathwater. They do something very similar on Thursdays, is it? Mm-hmm. The update, yeah. I just find it's yeah. good. Not everybody is able to follow what's happening in Circle and our ladies are so busy. So they like it if they just get a couple little summary notes to sort of say what's happening. Yes, I, I feel like those email recaps are very helpful because I'm not, even though I'm, you know, my business is the backbone of my business for a social PR agency is social media. I'm on social media more for business than I am for some of my, you know, baby bathwater or some of these communities that I'm in. So I really like getting the, the weekly email recap that I could just kind of skim through. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like a nice little touch point for those that are not active on Facebook or uh, Discord or WhatsApp or anything. So. Yes, yes. And I, I also saw on your LinkedIn that it looks like you've gotten some publicity, some PR media coverage, um, or you were interviewed on a few media outlets. So just from a PR standpoint, how did that come about? And what did you think the, you know, the outcome of that? Did you find that valuable? Yeah. Um, it's so funny because I'm not very good on LinkedIn. My assistant does post, so she likes posting there for me, which is awesome. But usually it's something that I've either written or reviewed, which if you're a listener, you probably can relate to that. You can probably relate to that too. Um, so I'm thinking about what you would have seen on LinkedIn, but I was on you know, Bloomberg Business, which was great um, because we do have uh, our camp program that we run every year. It's very different from our mastermind. It's different from our summit group, but our camp is for uh, women at all stages of business experience. And so it was great uh, to be able to share that uh, on an you know, international <laughs> news media outlet um, because we were talking about women investing in women and some of the VCs and mentors that we brought into camp and how we I can all be working to support more women and gaining investment. So that was really cool. Um, And that opportunity kind of came by like as a fluke, you know, somebody in the community had shared um, with somebody over at Bloomberg what we were doing and they thought it was great. So they wanted to see some footage from camp. It was actually like two days after the camp event. I flew down uh, to New York for that. And then I had to like have footage and we literally just wrapped camp. I had mosquito bites still from running camp. (laughs) <laughs> um and and did that there so it was yeah it was it was just a great intro and I think it's again like because I've built these personal relationships with these clients and because people know like I put it out to the community and I put it out to friends and stuff if there if there's ever a media opportunity like why not say yes um and the same thing like I've been on local news and stuff and it's always just because somebody is either like heard me on a small podcast or another not so small podcast 
um, or seen something that we did that usually it's because it's being me, which again speaks to like how I've always just avoided being at the center of things or wanting to spotlight myself. But people tie to that story. They like, they want to know, you know, how you personally ended up getting involved in your business and what that means to you and why you're doing it and all that stuff. So yeah, it's always just been really like looking into these or intros, sorry. Um, once it was, well, again, fluky intro, but one of our ladies was like, um, you know, I have this connection with a PR company, like my PR agency. Um, do you want, you know, do you want to connect back into them? Like, I, I'd love to like give that to you. And I was like, we don't have an agency and I don't know that I really want to like, hire one. She's like, no, 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 like, let me handle it. And so they, they hooked me up with, uh, again, it was fairly small, but like a Canadian news uh, station. So that was cool. Yeah. But, I mean, those are all opportunities for you to, you know, kind of share third-party credibility, which mm-hmm. is super important. And, um, you know, it also it brings me to, I interviewed Eric from Baby Bathwater, Eric Riker. He was, um, we talked about branding. And mm-hmm. what I loved about his interview that, you know, you just kind of like tied in is that he was saying that one of the biggest disconnects that happen happens with the brand is when the founder, um, and, and the brand, like the, the vision kind of, there's a disconnect when the, the founder story is not actually told or represented anymore. And it just becomes like, you know, ideas that weren't the actual founder's vision and story. And then when you bring back the founder's vision and story, that's when everything falls into place. I'm yes. not saying it as well as Eric did, but that the point <laughs> is, is like the brand story is the vision story, the visionary story that the founder story is critical when it comes to branding and, and, you know, PR messaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in any, really in any industry, like I literally this morning, I had a call with a woman who has uh, just purchased a food manufacturing business. And, you know, you think about that and you're like, how does her story really tie into that? But she has studied like food science and she's an engineer. And at some point she ended up working in like a major food business um, and always thought like, I would just love to be able to take over this company and change things and, and you know, improve the way that this operates and, and do different things with the employees and really show them what they're capable of and all of this. And then, you know, 20 years down the line, she's got this business. And you might think, well, you're looking at like, food products, you don't really need to know about the founder's story, but her story totally tied me into what she's creating. And I'm so excited to follow along. They just started social media because it was a family owned business that she bought, but I can't wait to follow along and see how she handles this rebranding and how, you know, they're working with the employees and, and what they're creating for them and what it evolves into because I heard her story. And I just think like, it's, yeah, it's amazing to tie that in and tie in the founder's vision. So Eric was phenomenal to work with. We should just give him a shout out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you, did he help you too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's did, awesome. Yeah. We did a little, a mini rebrand this year, um, just because we're really focused on our, our more experienced women entrepreneurs. Of course we still have camp, but that's not like the primary focus of the whole mastermind and, um, and our year round programming. So yeah. He, yeah. He, his interview was very inv- invigorating. Um, speaking of rebrand and female entrepreneurship, I mean, over the past five years, just females have had to go through like basically a rebrand. We're still going through a rebrand and having to kind of establish, not kind of having to establish ourselves. And so I just respect so much what you're doing from a female entrepreneurship standpoint. I mean, I really never even referred to myself as an entrepreneur until I joined Baby Bathwater. Like I never even consider myself an entrepreneur. Um, and I've owned my own business for, 
you know, 15 years, 20 years. So I just feel like there is a lot to be done, a lot of work to be done, and we need communities like yours. And what advice can you give to both male and females, but females who, you know, are need to make change for themselves and what can men do also? Yeah, I mean, to be on brand and say that the biggest thing, one of the biggest things for me and I mean, the woman in our community is just look at who you're surrounding yourself with. Like it's great to have your old friends from school and it's great to have your mom friends, but you know, somebody, if you're spending all your time with people who can't really understand what you're dealing with and can't actually support you with any of the challenges you're having or who aren't there for your big ideas and, you know, these crazy things that as entrepreneurs, a lot of us like wake up in the morning and think like, I want to do this and this. And, you know, people who can't get that are not going to be able to support you to kind of reach that next level in your life and your business. And so I think just surrounding yourself with those people that can, um, whether it's, you know, consistently all the time or whether it's joining something like bathwater or dovetail, you know, find yourself those people and spend as much time as you possibly can with them because they just have a different vision in the world and they're going to get you and they're going to get it when, you know, when things hit the fan, like they did this year, you know? So yeah, look at who you're surrounding yourself with and, and make your best effort to get around the right people. I love that. And what can men do to better support females? How to better support women? Yeah. I mean, depending on who your listener is and what they're doing, I think investing in women-owned businesses, that whole world needs to change. When you look at angel investors and, and VCs, you know, it's like 0.3% of businesses that receive investment are woman-owned. And that is crazy. And it is because so much happens behind closed doors and it's, you know, buddy networking and buddy investing. And so we just look at women-owned businesses as a great investment opportunity because they are, I think that's huge. And for men who might not be prepared to invest just yet. There are micro investing opportunities, which is really cool. Um, for those who aren't interested in investing, I think just supporting women-owned businesses in a, a more intentional way, you know, looking at where you're buying, where are you buying your products? Where are you buying your services? You know, if you're looking at working with an agency, like how many woman-owned agencies have you actually spoken to, you know, where are you getting quotes from? Like, are you actually considering, and not only women, but I think really, especially, you know, this year, like we have really seen the difference in thinking about diversity in our hiring and diversity in the you know clients and uh, service providers that we're working with and just being conscious of it. And I think all of us, not just men, can just try to be more conscious about where we're spending our money and how we're spending. I love that. Mm-hmm. That That's giving me some ideas to rebrand for next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For it's, sure. And it's not easy, right? It is easier to hire or to you know contract out with a service provider that was recommended by your buddy. Um, but then when you look at like if every service provider, if every employee, if every contractor is the same, you're probably missing out in your business, not just from, you know, it's good to have diversity, but they're going to bring so much to your work that you might not have if you didn't think about it. Definitely. Well, I told you, I don't know if it was when we were actually recording, but um, I'm going to repeat it. So I am dedicating in December and maybe January to only interviewing females um, that are disrupting social PR space and have a story to tell. Um, tell us where we can get in touch with Dovetail Communities. Um, is, there, is there a criteria to join? Yeah, sure. Uh, so our Instagram is just at Dovetail Community. Um, Dovetail is just one word, D-O-V-E-T-A-L. Uh, I know we'll get back here. Our website is actually dovetail.community, not .com. 
the Dovetail Black community and where you can find all the information about our mastermind. And our mastermind and our summit program are all designed for women who have seven figure plus businesses because they have unique needs. Um, we do have our annual summer camp, which we are going to be hopefully, fingers crossed, <laughs> relaunching uh, next year. And that'll be happening in September. And we've had women from all over the world come to that. And love to uh, to invite you know any listeners to that. That was much more open uh, as long as you identify as a woman entrepreneur. Then we'd love to have you there. Um, and yeah, that's and any other resources if um someone's listening that maybe they're you know just starting out they're not right quite there yet to join dovetail that would be um useful that you would you would recommend oh my gosh there are so many like if you're early early there are so many things that you, that I learned, you know, when I started my first business like so long ago, and there are so many tools and resources, but I think most important over any tool, resource, system, structure is the mindset stuff. It was just getting my own headspace, right. And having the confidence to go out and face rejection and to have those sales meetings and to have those, you know, those scenarios with employees where things were tough. I think just getting on top of my own mindset and uh, that didn't come necessarily from a book or a website that I read that came from doing the work in therapy and, you know, focusing on what I needed to do to feel the way I want to feel every single day when I was showing up. And then if you're looking at like, you know, business books and things, uh, Run Like Clockwork is a favorite, Mike Michalowicz. Uh, my friend Adrian runs a program to teach small business owners how to clockwork their business. Um, that's a cool one. Attraction, uh, gosh, always a fan favorite. <laughs> yeah, those are all great ones. Yeah, if you're yeah. growing a team, retraction, like just, yeah. From yes, first. and my favorite this year, which I didn't read until this year, but I did it, I read it over COVID was um, Profit First. Yes. And so that helped a lot. That really, I mean, I don't even know how I had had my business without having some sort of a system like that. So that was pretty life-changing, business-changing. Yeah. Michaela, it's like anything he writes, Pumpkin Plan. I mean, he's, yeah, great business writer and Profit First, my first business, like it changed everything when we, when we uh, applied Profit First in the second year, I think it was just like, yeah, revolutionary. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Amazing. Well, Alexis, thank you so much for your time. And hopefully the borders are going to open and we'll see each other at Baby Bathwater next year or somewhere else in between. Right? Oh, let's hope. I know. I'm like really excited. I've never been to New Orleans. And yeah, I was so excited to go down and see you guys. Yes. So in the meantime, we'll follow you. We'll follow Dovetail on social and good luck. And thank you so much for sharing your pivoting story. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, 
Go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.